All right, here it's uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon in Central Virginia. I am Norm Leahy filling in for the Lee brothers. Scott and Richard Lee, they have the day off. Uh, a nice day to be off. It's nice and warm outside, broken clouds. It's uh, an auger of things to come. I kind of think we might have a hot summer. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm Norm Leahy. Uh, if you're curious about who I am, you can go to the, uh, the website. It's uh, 820theanswer.com. Uh, Click on the Lee Brothers uh, cartoon there, and it will take you to a link to some of the things that I've written, some of which you may agree with, some of which you may not. And it'll tell you a little bit more about me. I can tell you, give you the quick thumbnail. I'm an investigative reporter for Real Clear Investigations, and I'm a Washington Post columnist. But I'm not a bad guy. I, I don't have horns. I don't have a poisoned quill in my back pocket. But uh, anyway, what I wanted to talk about today is in case some of you don't know, and I am pretty sure there's a lot of folks that don't know, there's a governor's primary on June 13th, and that may seem like a lifetime away, but it's actually, in political terms, it's right around the corner. And at this primary, we will be deciding, Virginians will be deciding, those who go to the polls will be deciding, between three Republicans and two Democrats. And what I wanted to do in this show, it's something like I did last year before the, uh, before the presidential election, is to ask you, the listener, if the election is held today, if this primary election is held today, who do you pick? Uh, do you vote in the Republican or do you vote in the Democratic primary? If you vote for the Republicans, are you going to choose Ed Gillespie? Are you going to choose Corey Stewart? Are you going to choose Senator Frank Wagner? If you vote on the Democratic side, are you going to choose uh, Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam? Or are you going to choose uh, former Representative Tom Perriello? It's a question that I want to know what you think. We've seen some polls, and the polling that I've seen says the person who is running away with the race on both sides is undecided. Uh, in some cases, between 40 to 50 percent undecided. So this is your opportunity to let me know uh, let everybody else know what you think, uh, who's going to, um, who's your candidate, tell us who your candidate is, and why, and why you think that person will be the strongest candidate uh, to run in, in the November general election. You can call us. The number here at the station is 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. Give me a call. Let me know who, who you prefer. Uh, is it Ed Gillespie? Ed Gillespie, some may remember, ran against Mark Warner for the Senate in 2014, came within a whisker of beating Mark Warner, who was supposedly not only uh, bulletproof but invisible and probably on his way to hard, uh, higher office. Um, Gillespie came extraordinarily close to knocking him off, and now he is currently at least if you believe the polls, and that's an entirely other question, is is the front-runner for the Republican nomination. On the Democratic side, uh, it depends on what you think. Some people have categorized it as a replay of the Hillary versus Bernie primary for the presidency, uh, for the Democratic nomination in 2016. I think that's a little bit too easy. It's uh, Some people have said, oh, well, Tom Barriel, he reminds me of Ken Cuccinelli, and it will be a disaster for Democrats because he's that polarizing. I think that's a little bit too uh, convenient and easy, too, because as some people will know and some people will argue, history uh, doesn't necessarily repeat, but it often rhymes. And I don't know that the rhyme between Perriello and anybody else is exact. I don't know that Ed Gillespie, the, 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 uh, he's obviously following a playbook. He's following Mark Warner's playbook. Run for governor, like Warner did, um, 
in, in 2001 and win after having run for the Senate, as Warner did in 1996, and lose. And in the meantime, you go around, you campaign, you show up at everybody's events, you shake as many hands as possible, and you build a base and you build a level of inevitability, and that's the path that Mr. Gillespie is following right now. Does that mean the uh, that history is going to repeat itself? He certainly hopes so. Mr. Gillespie certainly hopes so, but that's all up to you. That's all up to you, the voters. So again, I hope that you will take the time to call in. Let us know who you support or who you intend to vote for in the primaries this June 13th. It's 804-454-1366. It is an important election. We do have an open seat election coming up. Terry McAuliffe, term limited, uh, will be uh, sending him off to his reward in, uh, in January of 2018. Mr. McAuliffe thought he might be might be going elsewhere <laughs> to uh, himself higher office. I think he was eyeing something in Washington, D.C. He was on Hillary Clinton's shortlist for Commerce Secretary. I think he was the third choice for that. Um, but obviously that's not going to happen, so he's going to have to bide his time, figure out. And there is some talk, whispers here and there, that Terry McAuliffe might actually be eyeing a presidential run himself in 2020. Um... I don't know about that, but it's out there, and it's just something to keep in mind and, and chew about, too. But I'm more concerned about the primaries. Let us know, 804-454-1366, who do you support? And it's one of those things that uh, you also have to look at uh, on the Republican side. All the energy seems to be on, on, the, on the Democratic side. They're angry. They're upset. They have adopted the idea of resistance, that it's not so much a, a, the, the governorship that they're running for, they are running to build their own wall. It's a firewall, a big, beautiful firewall covered with asbestos, I think, between Virginia and Donald Trump, or at least uh, Washington, D.C., which is an entirely different conversation and maybe should be built anyway. But that's what they're doing, and that's what the Democratic base seems to want. They want a candidate who's going to stand up and fight back against the Trump administration, even though, as governor, that kind of stuff doesn't really come across their desk every day unless they go out and purposely look for it. It does certainly seem, at least from the polling that's been done so far, that Mr. Northam, because he's the incumbent lieutenant governor, because he has the governor's support, because he has the support of basically the entire Democratic establishment apparatus, that he would be not only the favorite, but the prohibitive favorite. And the polling, such as it is, shows that he's actually in a race. In his own polls show that he is still under 50%. For an incumbent with that much backing, that's not a good place to be. And that means that with so many people undecided, that anything could happen on the Democratic side. I know a lot of my Republican friends, a lot of my conservative friends, are hoping that the person that eventually is the Democratic nominee is Tom Barriello. They think, my gosh, he really is the second coming of Bernie Sanders. We'll have an easy time beating this guy. We beat him once uh, in, in Charlottesville when he ran for re-election to Congress after one term. Why shouldn't it happen again statewide? Well, because of the demographics in Virginia. Those in the listening area that probably are in the reddest parts of the state, that's not where all the people are. All the people are in northern Virginia and elsewhere. And that's where people like Hillary Clinton and Terry McAuliffe and Tim Kaine and Mark Warner pulled out their victories in those places. So... I still want to know who you're, who you're uh, backing in the primary, whether you're going to back anybody in the primary, and who that person is and why. 
And so give us a call. It's 804-454-1366. And I do want to say, too, there are other races on the ballot, uh, lieutenant governor and attorney general. Uh, on the Democratic side, uh, the incumbent, Mark Herring, running unopposed for re-election. On the Republican side, John Adams is the only person running for that office, so he's unopposed. Three candidates on the de- on the uh, Republican side, two or three on the on the Democratic side. Some of those, at least on the on the Democratic side or Republican side, I should say, have gotten quite nasty and quite almost surreal in the level of vitriol that's gone between the campaigns. It, and it seems like you never see so much fighting over a part-time job in your life, but there it is. But anyway, we're going to go off to a break here, and when we get back, please give us a ring, uh, 804-454-1366. I will get the number right next time. Give us a ring. We'll be back here right after this. Ten minutes. That's it. Ten minutes and a black Sharpie budget crisis solved. The Lee Brothers, problem solvers on 820 WNTW. And this is Norm Leahy here filling in for the Lee Brothers on AM820 WNTW, The Answer. And if you want to find out about the Lee Brothers show, find out about me, just who in the world am I, go to the website. It's uh, 820theanswer.com. Click on the cartoon of the Lee Brothers, and you can find out about me, find out about Scott and Richard, find out what they're talking about, what they're doing. Uh, Go check out the website. It's 820theanswer.com. Running the... um, informal, totally unscientific poll uh, today of who you think should win the primaries for governor. Uh, The election is June 13th this year, and I've seen the polling, and the polling shows that uh, Undecided is running away with the contest on both sides, Republican and Democrat. So I want to know what you think. This is your opportunity to make a case for your candidate, if you have one. If you don't have one, tell tell us that, too. Have none of these people impressed you? Have they all sort of come right out of central casting and offered nothing new, nothing unique? But um, this is the opportunity for you to say, this is who I'm supporting, this is why, and this is why I think this person will be the strongest candidate in the general election. The uh, the number you can call, 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. And let us know who you're going to vote for. Assume the election is tomorrow. You're going to the polls. Who are you going to vote for? It's important. This person is going to be one of the two candidates for governor in November, and we need to know who that person is going to be. Who do you think is the best person to take the job? Remember, we've had four years of Terry McAuliffe, and now it's time to change course, and preferably we'll change course in a profound direction, Um, one that uh, I think respects the restraints on government more than the trappings of power. But before then, you think about that, think about it, and then give us a call. It's uh, 804-454-1366. want to uh, talk about one of the candidates here, uh, Frank Wagner. Frank Wagner is a state senator running on the Republican side. He's running in, depending on what poll you see, he's running in third place on the Republican side. And he came out with a per, uh, press release, I think it was late yesterday, chastising Ed Gillespie for not being willing to participate in any more debates. They're, they had one televised debate that was, I think it was last week, and it was last Thursday night, actually. And at that debate, it and Gillespie took a few hits. He is campaigning on the idea of a 10% tax cut for all Virginians and on, the, on the personal income tax side. 
And there's a lot to be said for that, except he's hedged. It's a hedged plan. It's not a cut right out of the gate. It's a cut that will be phased in over three years. It is also a cut that is wholly dependent on the state bringing in enough extra money that they haven't projected for to be able to afford the tax cuts. That's So the headline, 10% tax cut. Okay, I get it. I get it. But until the numbers work out, until the General Assembly agrees, there is no tax cut. And Mr. Wagner scored some points on Mr. Gillespie at the last debate on that point, saying, look, you guys want to, you being uh, uh, Ed Gillespie and Corey Stewart, want to spend all this money on, on roads and education and all of these other programs, and yet you want to have tax cuts as well. You can't do that. Virginia has to run a balanced budget. So you can't cut down on revenue. If you want to pay for all these things, you have to make a choice. You can't do both. Now, when Mr. Wagner said that, the thing that immediately came to mind was the old days. Well, they're not that old, but 12 years ago or so, when Republicans in the Senate uh, fought back hard against any type of tax cut thing, saying we had too many bills in the drawer we got to pay for. And that's why we needed to raise taxes. And they did under Mark Warner's watch. It helped launch Mark Warner off to bigger and better things. But but Wagner scored some points, and he's upset that he won't get to share a stage again in a similar forum with Mr. Gillespie and Mr. Stewart. I, I get the politics of that, and we can talk about the politics of that a little bit more, because obviously a frontrunner has more to lose in a debate, and someone who's way behind has much more to gain. So it is not exactly in Mr. Gillespie's interest to have another debate with anybody uh, before the before the general election. But Again, we want to hear what you have to, what you think, what you have to say about this race. Give us a call, 804-454-1366, and we'll be back after this to take your calls and to talk about this race. That's very important for the Commonwealth of Virginia. We'll be back right after this. You may try all you want, but it's too hard to argue with common sense. The Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW. Uh, Norm Leahy here filling in for the Lee brothers. I argue with common sense all the time. Uh, it's called uh, having discussions with my wife. And they're usually short conversations, and I'm usually on the uh, losing end of those. But it's all for my own good, so I'm told. Um, here filling in for uh, Richard and Scott Lee on The Answer. Uh, you can check out the website. Check out it's uh, 820theanswer.com. You click on the Lee brothers cartoon, you can find out about me, about the show, about what the Lee brothers are talking about. Uh, and also, we want to hear from you, who you support in the governor's race. Our number here is 804-454-1366. Who do you support? Remember, the primary is June 13th. They're usually low turnout affairs, so those who show up are the ones who get to make the decisions. If you don't show up, you can't gripe. That's what my grandpa used to say, although he said it using slightly more colorful terms than that. Uh, but as this is a family show, we'll save those uh, for our remembrances of Grandpa. But I wanted to hit on one thing real quick on the Democratic side, and that's the uh, the, the race between uh, Ralph Northam and Tom Perriello. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the money that Tom Perriello is getting there. He's getting uh, the, the, the campaign finance reports came out and it showed, yes, he's pulling in not only gobs of out-of-state money, but it, essentially his funding came from roughly four or five people. Uh, including George Soros. It wasn't through one of Soros's groups, or it wasn't shielded. It was from the man himself. So Tom's whole shtick about being this a, a people-powered campaign, well, no, 
it's funneled by and funded by a handful of people. Ralph Northam has made hay out of that, but that does not necessarily mean that Ralph Northam has run the best, most complete, smoothest campaign that he possibly could. And in fact, he's made this a race. But what we're going to do is we're going to come back out for the news. We're going to talk more about this. We want to hear what you have to say. Give us a call. It's 804-454-1366. I want to hear what you have to say about the race. Who do you support for governor and why? Give us a call. We'll be back after the news. I'm normally filling in for the Lee Brothers. We'll talk to you on the other side. Richmond's example of radio as the founding fathers intended. The Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW. And this is Norm Leahy sitting in for the Lee Brothers here on AM820, WNTW, The Answer. Uh, they are in a safe, secure location. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them is on a golf course, considering the day. But you can find out uh, more about uh, the show, what's going on, find out about me, too. Go to the website. It's 820theanswer.com. That's 820theanswer.com. Click on the uh, cartoon of the Lee Brothers for details about me, about the show about the, what the Lee brothers are talking about, and uh, send them a message. They always love to get messages from people. And uh, one of the things that we're doing here, one of the things I'm trying to do here, filling in, is to run a poll uh, on, on the uh, gubernatorial race. There is a primary election coming up. It is a big deal because both of slots for governor on in each party are contested this year, and that election is on June 13th. But I want to know if the election is held now. If you've got to go in tomorrow morning, find your polling place. Who do you go and pull the lever for? If you're a Republican, do you pick Ed Gillespie? Do you pick Corey Stewart? Do you pick Frank Wagner? If you're a Democrat, do you pick Tom Perriello? Do you pick Ralph Northam? Or for that matter, if you're a Republican, do you go vote in the Democratic primary? Because you can do that in Virginia. They're open primaries. And just to, you know, have a little fun. And if you're a Democrat, do you, vice versa, do you go over to the Republican side and have a little fun? It's something that I've seen the polls, maybe you've seen the polls, they all show the same thing. Undecided is way out in front, and undecided can't vote. So, I want to hear what you have to say. This is an informal poll, totally unscientific. Let us know. The number is one eight or is 804. Why do I keep wanting to say 1-800? It's, it's like I'm selling, you know, you know, Anything from Ronco. Where Where is Ron Popeil when you need him? You remember the pocket fisherman? I love the pocket fisherman. Oh, my gosh. That guy was a genius. But anyway, you can call us. It's 804-454-1366. I love those shows. I lo Please, play among yourself. I love those uh, infomercials so much. And that guy came up with the wackiest stuff. It was always on at the most horrible times. I never bought anything because I was a kid when I would see him. Like, yeah, you know. You're not going to give a 10-year-old your credit card, uh, although maybe times have changed. Who knows? They probably have their own. They've got their own phones. Why not have their own credit cards? But I thought, wouldn't it be awesome to have a pocket fisherman? Because it was small. It was cool. It looked like some futuristic thing. You just go wing it out there in the pond, and, and you, it would probably break after the second cast. But still, it was awesome looking. But anyway, that's a, a trip down memory lane. And I, when it, we want to talk about the governor's race. And give us a call. It's 804-454-1366. 804-454-1366. Who are you voting for? Who are you supporting and why? I want to know why. 
What are your reasons for supporting this person? Do you like Ed Gillespie's tax cut? Do you like Corey Stewart, that he's standing up for Virginia heritage um, and, and tighter immigration controls? Do you like that Frank Wagner has gone out there and said both these other guys are crazy and they're going to spend us into the, into the poorhouse? Or are you on the Democratic side and saying, look, we need to build a great big beautiful wall of our own, but it's a firewall that's going to keep the evil Trump dragon out of Virginia. Is that what you are? Is that what you support? Tell us. We want to know. It's not like we're committing you to anything here. It's an informal poll, unscientific. In other words, it's just like every other professional poll ever run uh, anywhere in the nation. And you know what? Our results are probably better than theirs because I don't have a bias. I don't have a horse in this race. And you people do. So give us a call, 804-454-1366. I want to go back to something real quick. Do I have enough time to do this? Okay, uh, it, it's it's one of the columns I wrote for the Washington Post. When we talked about, um, I talked about uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Ralph Northam. Ralph has run a less than exciting campaign. Ralph is a dutiful public servant, but he also is not exactly the guy who's going to light up the room when he's there. He's hardworking, and he's tough, and he's smart. He's a he's a pe- uh, a pediatric surgeon for heaven's sakes, and he went to VMI. So, and he's from the Eastern Shore, so he's got all that going for him. But when you get him out on the campaign trail, he's not that, he doesn't have that magnetic quality that so many candidates have. Nobody's going to say, they're not going to drop everything to follow him. But that's a problem when you've got a race against somebody like Tom Perriello, who parachuted in in January uh, after a stint with the Obama administration as a special ambassador in Africa, trying to end a war, I think, in Uganda, uh, yeah, that worked out well. And uh, maybe we should send him back. Tom, your work's not done. But he came in and he came in with energy and he came in and he came in with uh, one of the things that I thought was actually quite a powerful thing. He said he didn't matter whether you were left or right. It mattered whether you were helping people move up or down. And that recast not only his message, um, but I think it recast the Democratic race. And what it made the Democratic race about was economic opportunity. Now, of course, their way of saying economic opportunity is a $15 minimum wage for everybody, and they're going to protect every subgroup in the world, and and plus several that we haven't imagined yet. They're going to protect their rights. And, of course, the big thing is they're going to protect us from the, uh, the orange menace across the Potomac. They're going to protect Virginia from Donald Trump. Okay, that's what they're doing. And they're getting... It draws out the people. That's where the energy is on the Democratic side. I get it. I, I totally understand it, and it would be foolish of them not to do so. But if you're somebody like Ralph Northam, who's paid his dues, got the people behind him, got people out there working for him, got the governor behind him, got both senators behind him, got most of the General Assembly behind him, it had to come as sort of a, an affront and a shock at the same time. A shock is, wow, what's happened here? And a front thing, I have had this thing wrapped up. I've been running for this job basically since I took the oath of office as lieutenant governor in 2014. And it's taken him a while to find his sea legs. He's come out and, of course, he's said that um, Donald Trump is a dangerous narcissist and all this other kind of stuff. And I get that, too. You, you have to say certain things. But um, he's still done what you can't do if you're the front runner and that he's let his challenger get traction when your challenger gets traction and you're the front runner you've got a problem because no longer is the race set on your terms you're no longer talking about your issues you're talking about the other guy and that's what the other guy needs that's why the other that's why frank wagner wants ed gillespie to to debate more so that he can get more exposure so that he can bring some of the attention away from ed and on to him i 
totally understand why Wagner's done that. I totally understand, too, why we always, every every election cycle, go through this debate daisy chain. Oh, we need more debates. No, we don't need any more debates. And it's all nonsense anyway, because debates really don't decide anything. All people are looking for, it's like a NASCAR race. You're waiting for the crash. And in a debate, the only crash comes when somebody says something that's totally off the wall. And I just don't see that uh, Gillespie's ever going to bow to any amount of pressure from Frank, Frank Wagner or anybody else to have more debates. But on back to the Democrats, uh, Mr. Uh, Perriello came out and, and really hit the ground running, hit it fast. He was in the right places at the right time, caught Ralph flat-footed. Ralph has since come back. His own polling shows that he's ahead by, in some cases, as many as 20 points. And that, for him, as an incumbent, is a good thing. But he's still not anywhere close to 50%. And if you're the incumbent, who's been running as long as he has, who has the backing that he has, if you're not at or above 50%, you've got a problem. Because with so many undecided votes, the race can go any way. And now that the other guy's got traction under him, and he seems to be sticking with it and raising the money, I don't care who it's from, money is money, it hurts you. And it means that, especially in a low-turnout primary, anything can happen. Ralph himself was a beneficiary of this when he ran for the lieutenant governor's nomination in 2013 against Anish Chopra, a northern Virginian, worked in the uh, uh, for, for Tim Kaine, worked for Barack Obama, had the support of the tech industry, had seemingly everything going for him. Ralph came up and won that race comfortably, and he did it by grinding it out and by having a last-minute swing come his way. And for Ralph, you kind of get the impression that he's waiting for that lightning to strike twice. And that's always a dangerous thing. You can never count on, on history repeating itself. As we said at the top of the show, it may rhyme, but it doesn't necessarily repeat. So on the Democratic side, that is the one really to watch. But on the Republican side, I have other questions. I have other concerns. I have concerns that these Republicans are running, a, they're fighting the last war. And if they're fighting the last war, they have a great strategy to do it, except their strategy is to win in 1985, or in Corey Stewart's case, 1865, instead of 2017. And that is a problem. And there's one problem that they each and every one of them has, and that is they don't have a Trump strategy. The Democrats do, the Republicans don't. That is a long-term problem for them. But that's we'll get back to that. I want to hear what you have to think. Who are you voting for? Why are you voting for that person? After the break, we'll get back to that. We'll take your calls. The number to call, 804-454-1366. 804-454-1366. I'm Norm Lee. We'll be back right after the break. The Lee Brothers, fighting for liberalism. Oh, fighting liberalism. Sorry, guys. The Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW. And this is Norm Leahy here filling in for the Lee Brothers on AM820 WNTW The Answer. Conducting our informal poll today on the governor's race. Uh, who are you going to vote for? Why are you going to vote for that person? You can give us a ring. It's 804-454-1366. Um, my suspicion is that nobody feels very strongly about any of these people. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's it's that's not a bad thing um, because it is a primary and, and quite honestly... Primaries are low turnout affairs. Uh, if you get 10, 13 percent of the folks to turn up, uh, that, that's, a, that's a, a reason to cheer. Of course, 
the good government types will go, oh, we need everybody to vote. Well, no, you don't want everybody to vote because that means you're going to have maniacs voting. And we've already got enough of those on the roads today. Be careful out there, folks, because the warm weather brings out people who suddenly decide that the 45-mile-an-hour speed limit really says 25. Um, so watch out for them, especially as we uh, approach rush hour. But anyway, we want to hear who you're supporting, why you're supporting that person. If the election is tomorrow, if the election for, is tomorrow, who do you support? 804-454-1366. And I want to get back to something that I alluded to earlier, and that's, um, I, we'll, leave, we'll come back to Ralph Northam, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, Ed Gillespie's tax plan. And, and the headline thing, 10 a 10% tax cut. And he's said in the last and, and only televised debate that, yes, this is the centerpiece of his campaign, and he's been campaigning on it around the state. And I get it. That's a good thing. Uh, that's what he's supposed to do. But if you pull back the covers a little bit, you realize there's there's not a lot there there. He's brought up some good things, and he deserves credit for them, about talking about eliminating uh, the uh, the Beepole tax, the, the War of 1812 tax. The War of 1812 is over. We won. We don't need the tax anymore, but that it supports local government. Local governments complain if you want to take away any of their any of their revenues. And he wants to uh, re- revisit and maybe get rid of the machine and tool tax. It's another thing that uh, supports local government. Local governments don't like it when you take a single penny from them because that means, well, if you do that, we're going to raise the property tax. Well, okay, fine. Um, so he's talking about some good things there, and I think Virginia probably is long overdue for substantial tax reform. We still, in many, many ways have a, an 18th century tax code for a 21st century economy. That does not add up to stable revenues, and it's a, been a perennial problem for Virginia. But the, 10%, uh, the, the Gillespie's 10% cut, it's, again, it would be phased in over three years. And it's contingent upon the state meeting revenue projections, that it's going to take in enough extra money not only to pay for the things that he wants to pay for, uh, to spend money on, but to pay for the tax cut. The tax cut roughly would cost $1.4 billion, and the state would need to, he's saying, well, production show, maybe we'll get 3.2. We'll use the other $2 billion. We'll pay for all these wonderful things. The only thing about projections is they are, they are guesses. They are only somebody looking into a crystal ball, or in this case, a, a, a an, an analytical model, and saying, well... We're going to hit this number, and it's going to be awesome. Recent history, and it, not even recent history, but you, you can go back a decade and more and find that Virginia has perennially missed its projection targets, either high or low. More often recently, lower money coming in that they have to rejigger the budget because the budgets are also based on projections, which always seem to me to be we're going to spend money that we don't have, cross fingers, that it comes through, and when it doesn't, they have to come back and fix it. So uh, the other thing that gets me is he didn't index his thing. He didn't index his cut. So that means, yes, the rates would be cut, but inflation would slowly eat away at those gains that you make. So, yes, you might get a 1000 bucks back on your, on your personal uh, Virginia income taxes, but inflation would slowly eat away those dollars and push you into a higher bracket regardless of what you do. It's inflation. It's a, it's a great monster that eats everything in its path, and it's insidious. And I asked uh, Gillespie's people about this. You didn't index? Yes, they did that on purpose. And, I, and they said they did it to keep progressive nature of the tax code in place. I never thought I'd heard a Republican in this century say progressive taxation. But that's what they did. 
So there's Frank Wagner is not entirely wrong when he says the math on that tax cut doesn't add up. It's one of those things you'll believe it when you actually see it, when you get the check and it clears. Until then, all it is is a campaign promise. Don't forget that. Uh, a lot of too many people will. But anyway, I want to hear what you have to say. Who are you supporting for governor? Give us a ring. 804-454-1366. I'm Norm Leahy, sitting in for the Lee Brothers. I think we're going to be back after the news. Is that correct? No, we're, get, we're coming back. Oh, okay. Then I, then I won't go out and wash my car. We'll be back right after the break here, uh, and uh, then we'll head into the news. Richmond's beacon of truth in the land of the free and the home of the brave. This is the Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW. And Norm Leahy sitting in for the Lee Brothers here on uh, AM 820 WNTW. want to take a, a moment to send you over to the website. It's 820theanswer.com. That's 820theanswer.com. Uh, click on the Lee Brothers uh, cartoon at the top, and you can you can see more about me, more about the Lee Brothers show. You can find out the things that I've written. Um, maybe you can take some issue with some of the things I'm written. Lord knows I do almost every time. Anyway, we're going to be heading off to news. And after the news, we'll come back. We'll talk more about this gubernatorial race. And we want to hear what you say. I'm Norm Leahy. We'll talk to you again right after the news. And it's Norm Leahy back here uh, filling in for the Lee Brothers here on AM 820 WNTW The Answer. Want to send you over real quick to their website. It's 820theanswer.com. That's 820theanswer.com. You can click on the uh, Lee Brothers cartoon there. You can find out uh, informa- more information about the show, more information about me, um, if you're curious. I, uh, I, I am a reporter. I am a columnist for the Washington Post. So in some people's minds, that makes me the enemy. But I assure you, I am actually a, a sweet guy. And I want to leap back into the uh, the question that we've got here. It's it's our informal poll uh, about uh, who you support for the governor's race. Uh, the poll, or the uh, primary, I should say, is on J- uh, June the 13th. And so far, Undecided is running away with the contest. And we know that Undecided can't win. So I want to know who you support and why you support that person. You can give us a call. It's 804-454-1366. I'm going to say that so far Undecided is winning this poll too. Because either people don't know there's a primary going on, which would not surprise me in the least because it is in June. I mean, who holds elections in June? Um, But also, they tend to be low turnout affairs. And low turnout affairs mean that very few people have incredible sway over the results of those races. And usually the folks who turn out are the ones who are the most engaged, the most involved, the most partisan. They don't always select the best people, but they select the people that they are most comfortable with. And the broader uh, electorate has to deal with the results of that in November. And then, of course, the cries come out, is this the best we can do? Well, yes, it is. Uh, The best you can do is right now. Uh, is is in the primary beforehand, and because there are three candidates on the Republican side, two on the on the Democratic side, and I want to know who you support. It's 804-454-1366, 804-454-1366. I want to know who do you support? Why? Tell us. Make the case for these people. Tell us why we should bother to go to the polls on June 13th. Or you can take the other side and say, you know what, we shouldn't go to the polls on June 13th to vote for these primaries because. Uh, both sides are selling us a bill of goods. 
and uh, voting only encourages them. I've heard that before many times <laughs> in my political career. Don't vote. That only makes things worse. But again, if you uh, if you don't vote, you can't gripe. So let us know who you're supporting and why. 804-454-1366. I want to go back to something that I mentioned uh, during the last hour, and that was uh, what does Terry McAuliffe do when his time up as governor? If all had gone according to plan, if everything had fallen into place as everybody thought it would, and Hillary Clinton won the election in 2016, Tim Kaine would have been vice president. That would have opened up a seat in the Senate. There were already candidates furiously jockeying on both sides to uh, to fill his seat. Uh, the governor, of course, would have had the option to fill the seat, and he would have filled it with a Democrat. More likely than not, he would have chosen Bobby Scott, a uh, congressman down from the 3rd uh, District, uh, to fill the seat. It would have... Uh, been quite a coup for him. There's no guarantee that Scott would have run for re-election. He probably would have, but no guarantee. So everybody was, and their brother and their cousin, were lining up on both sides. Yeah, what about me? What about me? I might run too. Well, of course, none of that happened. And Terry McAuliffe somehow fit into that equation. He was on Hillary's short list. He was, he was number three on the depth chart, but he was still on the list to be Commerce Secretary, uh, the, the guy who would go out and wheel and deal. Uh, that job went to Wilbur Ross, a billionaire uh, who has some of the most expensive slippers known to man and wore them at the State of the Union address. I think I saw a story that said they cost more than $600. And I thought, wow, good for him. <laughs> um, uh, my slippers, I think, cost $10, but at least they're fleece. I think it's fleece. It could, it might be, for all I know, it's sawdust and made up to look like fleece. But anyway. So where does Terry do? Where does he go? He's obviously, he's got the political bug. He's had it his whole life. And he's he's got a lot of connections. He's got a lot of talents. Former chairman of the Democratic National Committee. Longtime friend, courtier, uh, enabler, if you will, of Bill and Hillary Clinton. And yeah, it has come up that he might possibly, not guaranteed, but throw his hat into the ring for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2020. And what kicked that off was a New York Times interview with McAuliffe back, I think it was in March, maybe it was late February. Jonathan Martin, New York Times reporter, asked him if he wanted to be president. And McAuliffe is reported to have said, Martin said, McAuliffe said, quote, I don't know I might. That's not exactly something that you can tack to the mast and rally around, but it's not somebody saying no. So... There are no doubt a lot of Democrats who are already quietly campaigning for the Democratic presidential nomination. They are already doing it. Uh, that's just the way politics, especially on that scale, works because of the amount of money and time and resources that have to be poured into one. They've already started. Not publicly, but it's already started. Is Terry McAuliffe going to be one of those one of those people. He has the skills. He has the context. He's got a Rolodex that he could raise the money very quickly. He's got the friends who could rally to his cause and make him a legitimate, at least name, if not operational candidate for the nomination. The most interesting thing, though, on his side is the resuscitation of another Democratic candidate who may also have 2020 on his mind. And that candidate is the one who had a near-death experience in 2014. And it's Virginia's own Mark Warner. Mark Warner is on the Senate Intelligence Committee. Mark Warner is one of those who's sticking his nose to the Russian grindstone, trying to figure out whether the Russians, uh, 
who were never our friends. Let's not kid ourselves. The only time they were our friends is when we bought Alaska from them and they needed the cash. And that was in the 19th century. And that was only briefly. But he's out investigating that. He calls it the most important work that he has ever done. And when those things actually get started, when that actually starts rolling, Mark Warner is going to be doing everything he can to put his name there, to be the guy that people turn to, to say the sensible thing, to say the penetrating thing, to say the thing that really gets played on Twitter, on the evening news, makes for a great bumper sticker. That's what he's aiming for. Does that mean that he is also aiming to finally realize his dream and be in the White House? He had that those dreams earlier. Uh, it, it was a few years ago, and uh, it was before the 2008 races. It really did seem like or he might be the guy to do it. He might. This might be his time. Until that unfortunate New York Times magazine uh, picture of him where uh, it had one of the most unflattering pictures of a politician I've ever seen. I don't know where he got that purple-colored suit or if that was just shot through some sort of weird filter, but it made him look like basically the, a combination between Monty Hall and a used car salesman. It was terrifying. Um, and since then, he had his stumble in 2014. And he's kept his head down, and here's his golden opportunity to try to do something that really could elevate his profile. Does that mean that we could, could we really possibly have two Virginians slugging it out each other for the Democratic nomination in 2020? And I know some people would sit back, get the popcorn, and watch them tear each other apart. And let's make no mistake, there is no love lost between Mark Warner and Terry McAuliffe, zero. And that would come out in any sort of primary. But we have plenty of time to game something like that out. And in the meantime, what we've got is something much more important. That's to elect Terry McAuliffe's replacement as governor of the Commonwealth. So that's why we're doing our informal poll. So give us a ring. It's 804-454-1366. Want to know who you're supporting, why you're supporting them, and this is your opportunity to uh, to tell people who, not only who they should go out and, uh, and, and vote for, but uh, why they should support that person in the general election, too. So give us a ring, 804-454-1366. I'm Norm Leahy. We'll be back after the messages to talk more Virginia politics right after this. Scott and Richard Lee, the yin and yang of talk radio, the Lee brothers on 820 WNTW. And this is Norm Leahy sitting in for the Lee Brothers here on AM820, WNTW, The Answer. Uh, send you over to the website real quick. That is 820theanswer.com. That's 820theanswer.com. Click on the cartoon of the Lee Brothers at the top for uh, details about me, about the show, about the Lee Brothers. Send them a note, too. Why not? They love to get, they love to hear from the listeners. They just, they, they, there are stacks and stacks of these things here. Some of them have doodles. I assume those are from Scott. Richard is far too educated and polite to doodle while they're on the air. But um, anyway, check out the website. It's 820theanswer.com. And uh, give us a ring here at 804-454-1366. Tell us who you support in the gubernatorial primaries coming up. Let's assume the polling is going on tomorrow. You have to go out and vote. Do you bother? Or... You pick one. Do you pick one of those guys that uh, wants to be the next governor, wants to send Terry McAuliffe uh, off to a happy, long, and hopefully permanent retirement? And uh, who, who do you pick? Is it Ed Gillespie, Corey Stewart, Frank Wagner? Are you going to vote Democratic? Are you going to vote for uh, Frank Wagner? Are you going to vote for Tom Perriello? Does it matter? Do you care? Did you even know 
there was a governor's primary coming up. And if you didn't know, well, now you do. So let us know who you think should be the nominee of the particular party as as uh, voters get ready, perhaps at least some of them, to vote in the June primary. But I wanted to peel away from that all for a second. Just peel away from that for a second and talk about something um, that everybody is familiar with that everybody knows, and that's taxes. Hopefully you paid your federal income taxes. They were due. Uh, if you didn't uh, pay them and it's a surprise to you that they were due, I'm sorry. But one thing you need to know is about something called Tax Freedom Day. And I'm sure the Lee brothers have talked about this in the past. But Tax Freedom Day is that day, magical day, every year when you can stop working for the government. And this is at the federal, state, and local level. And start working for yourself. And Tax Freedom Day is calculated by various groups. Uh, one of them, the Tax Foundation up in Washington, D.C., they calculate what they think is Tax Freedom Day, and they set it for 2017 as April 23rd, which means it has not yet arrived. It arrives this weekend, so good for us. Uh, in the past, it has been as late as, uh, I think, May 1st on average nationally, and that happened back in 2000 before President Bush's tax cuts. But that means that every day from January 1st to April 21st, You've been working, and this includes Virginia, you have been working for government to pay your taxes, not for anything else, not for housing, not for food, not for clothing, not for medical care, nothing. You've been only working from January 1st until this Sunday to pay your taxes. And yet there are those who think that government doesn't have enough money to do the things that it needs to do for this, that, and the other person. Uh, some of them live in other states. <laughs> um, and, and some states are far worse off. You know, California, for example, California's uh, Tax Freedom Day isn't until May 1st. Uh, uh, New York um, is, is even later than that. Uh, there are some... Some here's some figures. Okay, the average is you've worked. You will work 113 days into the year to pay your taxes. Remember, there are 365 days in the year. Uh, it's a significant day uh, because it, it, that's how long you have to work uh, to pay your taxes. Americans in total will pay 3.5 trillion dollars in federal taxes alone this year. That's trillion with a T. 3.5 trillion. And on top of that, they pay an additional $1.6 trillion, with a T, in state and local taxes. The total tax bill, state, local, federal, works out then, quick math, $5.1 trillion. That is one-third, 31% of the national income that goes to keep government at every level, not just in Washington, not just in Richmond, not at, but into county too, to keep their doors open. Americans will spend more on taxes in 2017 than th they will spend more than they will on food and clothing and housing combined. So your tax bill is bigger than your housing, food, and clothing bill combined. That's shocking. Unless your mortgage is gigantic, your tax bill is bigger. If you include the amount of money the federal government has borrowed to keep the doors open, because even with $3.5 trillion worth of your tax dollars this year alone, 
they will still have to borrow several hundred billion dollars more to pay for all this neat stuff. If you add all that in, Tax Freedom Day doesn't come until May the 7th. So you have to work until the 23rd to pay the taxes. You have to keep working until May the 7th to pay off your share of the debt the government has run off. So that means food, clothing, shelter, they don't count. Taxes, and remember, Uncle Sam gets his tax bite before you even get your paycheck. You're, you've worked in Virginia 113 days to pay just the tax portion alone. You'll have to work till May the 7th to pay the debt portion as well. That is unconscionable. And yet there are those who say the government doesn't have enough money that some aren't paying their fair share. I don't know about you, but I think I could find plenty of ways to spend $3.5 trillion effectively and efficiently and, and, and do all kinds of things that government is constitutionally allowed to do and probably have a couple of nickels left over so that I might be able to, I don't know, prop up a table that's wobbly or something. Government camp seem to do. I just wanted to put those out there for you to think about while we uh, talk about who we want to be the next governor of the Commonwealth. But give us a ring and let us know that. Who do you who do you think we ought to support for governor? The number is 804-454-1366. I'm Norm Leahy, sitting in for the Lee Brothers. We'll be back right after this. American Way. And that's just Richard, the Lee Brothers, on 820 WNTW. And this is Norm Leahy sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee here on AM820, The Answer, WNTW. Love to hear from you who you uh, think we ought to support for governor. The number, 804-454-1366. It's an informal poll just to see where you stand. And check us out online, 820theanswer.com. That's 820theanswer.com. Click on the Lee Brothers cartoon. Find out about me. Find out about the show. Send the Lee Brothers some mail. They love to get the mail. We'll be back. The Lee Brothers. Intelligent, informed conversation with an occasional mispronounced word. 820 on 820 WNTW. And this is Norm Leahy filling in for the Lee Brothers here on AM 820 WNTW. I can guarantee you at least several mispronounced words while I'm here because sometimes my brain moves much faster than my mouth. And uh, I've yeah, just like right there. Anyway, I, I do want to send you over to the website. It is 820theanswer.com. That's 820theanswer.com. Click on the Lee Brothers cartoon to find out more about me, find out more about the show. Send the Lee Brothers a line, too. They do like to hear from folks and uh, know what's on your mind. But uh, I want to know what's on your mind, too. The number here in the studio, 804-454-1366. We're talking about the gubernatorial race. I want to know who you're supporting. On the Republican side, Ed Gillespie, uh, Corey Stewart, Frank Wagner, vying for the Republican nomination. On the Democratic side, Ralph Northam, Tom Perriello. Uh, that's a spirited contest. The Republicans, um, seems like Mr. Gillespie is more in control of that race. But it's just a primary. It is June 13th. It's uh, Yes, it's a June primary. Yes, it's going to be low turnout. And yes, that means those who show up get the most say. Therefore, this is your opportunity to tell the world who you think that candidate should be, who the nominee should be. And it's, it's, it's not a small thing. You get to be the nominee, you uh, roll into the November election, 
and all of the uh, histrionics, fireworks, backbiting, recriminations, and occasional backslapping that, that goes along with a general election campaign. It depends on whether you win or lose. More recriminations if you lose. Um, and in some cases, those go on for years. There are certain candidates who have run for statewide office in the past who will not talk to me to this day, which I find deeply amusing. But anyway, let us know who you think is, uh, who should be the candidate, who should be the nominee on either side. It's 804-454-1366. One thing I want to diverge from that for a little, just a moment, it, it ties in, it does uh, a little bit, but it's an item that you, if you, you could easily have missed, but it was uh, the federal government, the Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights, is going to be launching an investigation into the use of suspensions in the Richmond Public Schools. Apparently, a complaint filed uh, by the ACLU of Virginia and others, uh, backed by Congressman uh, Don McEachin uh, of the 4th District, has said that the public schools in Richmond, their suspension uh, protocols, are vague. The guidelines are vague. The reasons a kid can be suspended are basically up and up for grabs and that what's happened is that the process has resulted in racial discrimination but also discrimination against handicapped students many of whom also happen to be african-american because obviously the city public schools in richmond are majority african-american now there are lots of people and i i got an article yesterday about this from a guy i know in dc saying that this will, uh, this kind of investigation will open a can of worms, that it will interfere in local control of elections, that it will lead to basically all kinds of mischief, nonsense, and probably only make the problem worse. I take issue with that. If there are not clear guidelines for suspension, you've got a problem on your hands. And in the public schools in Richmond, suspension, they have... There are, you know, roughly 25, 27,000 students in the, uh, in, the, in the school district there. But suspensions have run almost 13,000 or something like that for, the, for, for a school year. Uh, I could be misstating the number. I'm having to do that from memory. But that, that's unconscionable. And granted, some of those are repeat offenders. And, and I, I get that. There are kids who are just bad kids. But in the complaint, the ACLU filed. One of the, they, they represented two students, and they only used uh, their first names or initials. One of them was a kid named J.R., 13-year-old kid, African-American kid. Uh, he's diagnosed with an, an emotional disorder, and the teachers know about it. One day, he was doing something for one of his teachers, and that teacher left the room, and he was doing his thing. Another teacher came by and said, look, you don't have a pass. You're out of position, whatever that means. And you need to go get that pass or you're going to be in trouble. So he went to go find his teacher uh, to get his pass because he didn't want to get in trouble. Runs into a school security guard. Uh, school security guard, why are you wandering the halls? The kid wants to go find his teacher, wants to get his pass. He doesn't want to get in trouble. Makes what the security guard thinks is a threatening move. He clenches his fists. And the kid says, I never did that. An altercation follows. And it turns physical. The kid gets hurt. But the kid is also restrained. He is taken to the principal's office. He's restrained again. In the meantime, the principal is called the Richmond City Police, who show up, put the kid in handcuffs until his mother arrives. When his mother arrives, he's taken out of handcuffs, but he is promptly suspended for 13 days. 
as is the course in the city of Richmond. He has put in their, their school for hard cases. And instead of getting an education, he's given a counselor. So he's in a room by himself with a counselor, not a teacher, counselor. Counselor doesn't show up every day. After a few days, he's told you have to leave. You have to leave because we've decided you're going to be expelled. The school system um, offers a, a little bit of help uh, for that for a few days, uh, a little bit of at-home help, and then that ends. He appealed the, uh, the expulsion. He's going to be back in the school. But for what was essentially a misunderstanding of a kid who is diagnosed with an emotional disorder, who gets injured in the process, who gets slapped in handcuffs, and then is thrown into a into the special school or without a teacher, and then they're going to kick him out. That is a that is not sustainable. That is not a good process. All that does is send the wrong signal. School is for punishment. School is for arbitrary punishment, and we're going to kick you out if you so much as bat an eye out of line. And that's all that does is set up those kids to fail. And if you want to make the expressway from school to prison eight lanes wide with gilded express ramps, that's how you do it. The thing about that that gets me, that's bad enough, okay? And there should be an investigation. There should be a reason. Why, why, why is this going on? Why are they doing this? Is there a deeper problem here that needs to be addressed? Okay, fine, let's look into it. The Office of Civil Rights very carefully said, just because we're investigating doesn't mean we're going to find any wrongdoing, which is true. And nobody should assume that they will, but they may find some answers. The thing that gets me is that the Republicans running for governor haven't said anything about this. And you think about that, and that is a pol politically stupid because, not only because it can allow them to show that even for a moment, uh, a, a fleeting moment, they give two cents about inner city school kids. They all talk about education. Oh, they're all for education. Not really. They're for some people's education. But here's an opportunity for them to set up a lectern in front of any pick, pick a Richmond public school and say, look, there's a problem here. And it's being investigated by the federal government. But who's been in charge of the Richmond public schools during all of this time? Democrats control the school board. The Democrat is, uh, is a mayor. The mayor's Democrat. The governor is a Democrat. His secretary of education is a Democrat. And they have all allowed this problem to fester. Not only they've allowed it to fester, they have not so much as lifted a finger to change anything, even bring it up until someone filed a complaint with the federal government. For a Republican, that is the closest thing to a layup in politics you're ever going to get. All the people who let this problem become a problem are Democrats. You have an answer. This is what we're going to do on education. These people have run it into the ground. These people are building the gilded highway from school to prison and did nothing about it. Zero. Call attention to it. Hold the press conference. It takes 15 minutes of your day, and you're done. That's all you've got to do. You gain a lot of points for doing that, and you score some political points by pointing out, you know what, the other guys, the other side, they're all the ones who let this thing get out of hand. And who did they have to turn to for help? The federal government. 
please remind me who's in charge of the Department of Education right now. Betsy DeVos, whom Democrats fought tooth and nail. Who nominated her? Donald Trump. You know who's the Republican who's going to get credit for looking into this, for trying to find out answers, for trying to see if there's something deeper and more fundamentally wrong in the Richmond Public Schools? It's Donald Trump. And he won't have to lift a finger to get that kind of credit. The Republicans running for governor in this state are missing the easy bucket. It's sitting there, guys. Nobody's guarding the hoop. Take the ball, do it, set up the lectern, point out the problem, hit the other guys for allowing the problem to get out of control, and you're done. What are they doing instead? Ed Gillespie is touting a tax cut that may or may not happen. Corey Stewart is still fighting the Civil War. Frank Wagner is gasping for air. That shows me a political party that not only doesn't have a game plan to react to news as it develops, but doesn't have a game plan to take advantage of when the other side gives them a gift. This is a gift, and Republicans are letting it sit. That is politically stupid. But then again, Republicans did not come by the moniker the stupid party by accident. They earned it. And they're earning it once again in Virginia over an issue that they all say they care about, except when they don't. And it's time to put up or shut up. And that's enough of my soapbox on that. I still want to hear who you guys are supporting for, uh, for governor. Give us a ring. 804-454-1366. It's 804-454-1366. Who are you supporting for governor? Why are you supporting that person for governor? Are you supporting anybody for governor? Did you know there was a primary June 13th? That's something we all ought to talk about. Anyway, give us a ring. Uh, we'll be back on the other side of these messages uh, right after this. The news as it should be. The Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW. And this is Norm Leahy sitting in for the Lee Brothers here on AMA 820 WNTW. I want to go with, uh, quick to the phones to a very patient Hunter who's been waiting while we've been at break. Hunter, are you still there? Yes, I am. Uh, go ahead. The air is yours. Yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, in regards to the lawsuit being brought by the ACLU against the city of Richmond, you know, you were talking about the kind of message it would send to uh, suspend this kid over misunderstanding, but, you know, I, I wanted to have a conversation rather than taking the floor because, to me, uh, it's more than a misunderstanding when you assault the uh, school correctional officer, don't you think? Uh, according to the complaint, uh, the child did not assault the officer. A scuffle ensued, I think, when the kid resisted being uh, restrained. So you think that's uh, you think that's all right? If somebody is going to restrain me, uh, I am not going to passively submit. But also the kid is uh, diagnosed with a an emotional disorder that supposedly well, everybody knows about. What do you, I mean... You know, uh, have you, are you familiar with the term opera? What is it? Uh, oppositional defiant disorder. Uh, vaguely. Ex fill me in. Oh, I would. I would have to think uh, this kid. Uh, I mean, that's that's classified as a as an emotional disorder, and basically, what that means is uh, you have problems. Uh, you know, you have problems following. Basically, it means you're you're you have violent tendencies. So you know, just because the kid has a disorder, 
it doesn't necessarily excuse him from the consequences of his behaviors. And if he's going to, you know, if he's basically going to uh, commit assault or whatever when someone's trying to restrain him, I, I'm going to assume that there's a good reason they're trying to restrain him in the first place. And uh, I don't think it's appropriate uh, behavior. You know, you, you should, they shouldn't have to restrain the kid. Uh, I just, I just don't think it sends the right message when we allow children to misbehave and then uh, let them right back into school. And, and, and the insinuation that discrimination has some role to play in this, I think is ridiculous and furthers a kind of a victimhood narrative that, uh, that I don't find to be true uh, by and large. I mean, I would, I would hazard a guess and say that most of the school's faculty is uh, minority, uh, just like the, the composition of the student body. Uh, just uh, going out on a limb here. <laughs> it sounds like uh, you, you read the same op-ed that I did uh, that I got in my email box. But my, my thing is here, and that was just one of, that was in the complaint that, uh, uh, that, that was filed. And it was a complaint. It's not a lawsuit. Uh, it's just uh, an investigation. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with investigating. I think, I think that's good if they're just investigating. But, you know, it, we, you do have to be careful with the message you're sending. And I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily appropriate in all circumstances to maybe insinuate racism when that, you know, I, I, I just, I, I am cautious as to the ramifications of uh, this. But by all means, find all the facts. Uh, good show. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Hunter. Thank you. And, it, and he's uh, Hunter is absolutely right. We do need all the facts. And the thing, the, the problem here is, is that you had a school board that had an opportunity to get facts and didn't. You had a mayor's office that had an opportunity to get facts and and didn't. The governor, the the state secretary of education, they all had opportunities to find out what's going on here. Is there a problem? Do we have a do we have a discipline problem, or do we have a response problem? And the basis of the complaint is that they have a response problem, that people can be suspended basically uh, for doing anything. That's the implication in the complaint. Now, the Office of Civil Rights is going to look at it. They're going to determine whether the problem exists. They're going to determine whether the problem fits in with a civil rights violation, and then they will go from there. But again, they were careful to say, just because we're investigating doesn't mean we're going to find anything. The thing that gets me is that Politically, this is a layup for a Republican because all the people who have allowed what may or may not be a problem to fester are Democrats. And they've done nothing. They did nothing. And who did they have to go get help from? The Trump administration. Putting aside the great irony of that, if you're a Republican running for governor, and you, one of the things you talk about, and you talk about endlessly, is, oh, how important education is, how important education is. Even if the issue is, pardon the pun, trumped up, you take advantage of it. That's politics. And if you can't do that in politics, you don't deserve to be running for office. It shows not only that you're flat-footed, but you're flat-headed, and you can't adapt and react the news as it happens. That's what wins campaigns. They're missing that opportunity to get a quick win. I'm Norm Leahy, here filling in for the Lee brothers. Um, got a little bit of exercise there. Thank you, Hunter. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll be back uh, to talk more about this stuff uh, right after this. The Lee brothers, Virginia citizens, American patriots on 820 WNTW. 
And normally he's sitting in here for the Lee Brothers here on AM 820, WNTW, The Answer. Still want to hear from folks in our informal, totally unscientific uh, poll on the governor's race, 804-454-1366, who you're going to vote for and why. It is important that we uh, choose the right person or the best persons uh, to represent the parties heading into the general election, and that primary is June 13th. Undecided is running away with it right now, and that means that anything can happen. If you think your guy's out of it, well, there's enough undecideds that can put him over the top. And, and quite frankly, I would not be surprised if one party or the other nominates somebody who seems a little bit out of the, uh, out of the ordinary. And that will be a, a new thing for Virginia. But also, while I'm thinking about it, check out uh, the website. It's 820theanswer.com, 820theanswer.com. Click on the Lee Brothers uh, uh, cartoon up there. Find out about me, find out about the show, and send the Lee Brothers some mail because they love to hear from you all. Anyway, I'm Norm Leahy uh, here filling in for the Lee Brothers. Uh, we'll, uh, we're going to go have some news, and we'll be back uh, right after this. It's Norm Leahy here, filling in for the Lee Brothers on AM 820 WNGW The Answer. I want to send you over to the website real quick. That's 820theanswer.com, 820theanswer.com. You can click on the cartoon of the Lee Brothers. Find out more about me. Find out more about the Lee Brothers. Find out more about the show. Send them a note. They love to hear from you all. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk about, I don't know if you've seen it, but it, my copy arrived from Amazon this week. Yes, I buy my books at Amazon. Um, it's a new one that came out about the Hillary Clinton campaign. It's called Shattered, Inside Hillary Clinton's Doomed Campaign. Now, I know some of my Democratic friends are still, their nerves are so raw over this. They can't even bother to read reviews of it. They, they, it's too painful for them. Being a political junkie, that's like candy to me. I need more, and I want to know more. Because this is a book that was sourced to insiders in the Clinton campaign who talked quite freely about the foibles, problems, conniptions, uh, fits, and other things that were going on during the Clinton campaign and how they managed to turn something that, by all appearances, was a sure thing into a catastrophic loss that they still haven't recovered from. And the book, it's... it's, it's um, like I said, it just came out. It's one of the things that is interesting about it, and I guess one of its sub-themes, is Hillary Clinton, who had essentially been running for president for a decade, came into the 2016 campaign, still didn't know why she was running or what she stood for. Besides the idea, and they floated this, that it's her turn, which is one of the worst, not probably the worst, but one of the worst reasons that anybody could ever ask a voter to put them in a place of political power and influence, let alone the presidency. Oh, it's my turn. No, it's not. There's no, there's no line out the door. There's no 
this is there your name is not on anybody's seat but that was her attitude and this book talks about how over the course of the campaign and then the, the Clinton campaign again it was a huge machine not quite as big as it was in 2008 when she lost spectacularly to Barack Obama in those primaries when again she thought it was hers to lose uh, she she made some changes she said we're not going to spend as much money this time well guess what she didn't spend as much money on states that she thought she had locked down Michigan Wisconsin Pennsylvania and instead spent money elsewhere where she never had a chance Arizona really okay that's what she did but all through this book and I've read other excerpts of it before is of a candidate in Mrs. Clinton who talked to her staff as if she were talking at a press conference. There was no intimacy. There was no familiarity. It was fear-driven that if I talk to any of these people, they're going to leak everything that I've said. And there's a section in this book that talks about the loyalty lists the Clintons, both Bill and Hillary, established between 2008 and 2016 of those who were most loyal and least loyal. Bill went out and campaigned against those members of Democratic members of Congress who had proven less than loyal to Hillary, campaigned against them so that they could purge the ranks and make sure that their people were in place. There were calls that were done with staffers. Uh, there was a, an excerpt that I read about debate prep where Hillary, uh, one of Hillary's staffers was set up uh, to pretend that she was one of the Republican candidates. And the criticism came back is that, Mrs. Clinton, you're not, you're, not, you're not selling it. You're not giving people a reason to go out and vote for you. You're talking in broad terms instead of specific terms. You need to make the ask. And instead of taking the criticism, she would admit no fault on her own and said criticize her advisors for bringing up shortcomings. And not just bring it up, but berate them. She would do it, apparently, in a school marm fashion. She was very disappointed in them. She was very disappointed in them saying these things about her. And it was Bill Clinton who would come up and strip the bark off their hides. Now, given that that is a weird dynamic anyway, one spouse had already been president, and now you are trying to get the same job, that person did it against long odds and, quite frankly, against a personal history that should have ended him up on a sex offender list. But he won. And now you have to do that or you failed. And she tried once and failed. All right, well, you can make an excuse. We did a few things wrong. Barack Obama had better people and we spent too much money. So this time we're going to run a tighter ship and we're going to have a reason. They had no reason. They never had a reason. They had never had a reason, and she kept floundering and floundering, trying to find one, trying to make the sale, and she blundered into things such as, my opponent's uh, supporters are deplorables, and going off the various list of phobes, Islamophobes, homophobes, etc., etc., etc. That's not exactly the way to earn friends and votes, is by saying, well, you're a horrible person, and I don't want your vote. That immediately turned somebody off. But she 
powered right through that stuff. That's not me. My staff will handle that. And what it showed, and what the book will eventually show, is that you had a flawed candidate who would never admit her flaws and took no steps to correct those flaws. And when the staff tried to point those out, they would get their heads chopped off. And yet somehow, she thought this was inevitable. It was in the bag. It was going to happen. Here's what kind of drapes I want in the Oval Office. And then the results come in. I remember, because I was texting that election night with Scott Lee. Uh, Scott was on a trip at the time, and, and Scott was saying, what do you think? What do you think? And then we were talking about the Virginia results, first of all. And I said, well, I think she's going to win here because of what I'm seeing in these various locations. Uh, localities and she did it took a while but she did but when I saw the results come across from Pennsylvania she's in trouble no Republican had won Pennsylvania I think since 1988 and she was losing and she there was nowhere she could make up the numbers that's a problem because that means one of the places that she took for granted and she thought she had in the bag was gone that's a problem Late, I woke. I went to made the mistake of going to bed, waking up really super early, and like like one o'clock in the morning, I woke up. I woke up again at four, and I saw Michigan and Wisconsin results, and I thought she's done. He's won. Trump's beat her. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Who would have thought those states, which have traditionally voted Democratic in presidential elections for the longest time, and have always been the biggest head fakes? They've been the Lucy and Charlie Brown moments for Republicans. I swear you're going to win it this time, and then they pull the ball away. Nope, you're done. He did it. This book, Shattered, goes into the reasons why that happened. And it's not as much that she lost it, is that she never seemed to have a reason to win it, a personal reason. She was invested in it as a validation of herself. I deserve this. That's not a reason to be president of the United States. That's not a reason to be anything. I deserve this. That means you're entitled. And that means you've got other problems. But when you're running for office, you have to have a selling point. Trump had one. He put it on a hat, for heaven's sakes. Make America great again. Simple. You could remember it. You still remember it. It's still a thing. It's like Jim Gilmore's No Car Tax. Simple. You remember it. You can put it on a bumper sticker. Yeah, the numbers may have been a little fuzzy, but it worked, and it worked in a big way. It worked for Trump, too. Hillary Clinton never had that. She never had that 10-second, this is why I deserve your vote. And this is why I'm working for your vote, because this is what I believe in. Here in 10 seconds is what I'm going to do and why I hope you'll vote for me. She never did that, never admitted that she had a problem with her campaign, their personality, with their message, and it brought her down. And it brought her down spectacularly. We're still sifting through the rubble of that today, even in our own governor's race. The wreckage of the Clinton campaign is still affecting the races that we have here in Virginia. And we may not be out from under all of that debris until maybe 2020, maybe 2022. It's something that uh, we all need to keep a track of and watch. And if you have the chance, pick up the book. It's called Shattered. Um, it's about the Hillary Clinton campaign. I urge you to uh, give it a read. If you're a political junkie, you'll love it. Otherwise, uh, give us a call, 804-454-1366. I'm Norm Leahy. We'll be back after this. 
Like Batman and Robin, your conservative dynamic duo. Just no costumes and utility belts normally. The Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW. And this is, I, I, I've seen, the, I've seen uh, the Lee Brothers in costume. It is terrifying. This is Norm Leahy sitting in for the Lee Brothers. You're on AM 820 WNTW, The Answer. I want to send you over to the website real quick. It is 820theanswer.com. That's 820theanswer.com. You can click on the cartoon of the Lee Brothers for details about me, about the show. Send the Lee Brothers a note, too. Uh, I'd like to hear what your perspectives are on the gubernatorial race, the primary that's coming up June 13th. The number is 804-454-1366, 804-454-1366. Who are you voting for and why? Or are you not voting at all because you think they're all selling snake oil? That's an invalid opinion. And let's let's face it, Virginia's bought plenty of snake oil in its long, storied history from politicians of various stripes. But speaking of snake oil, I don't know, sir. I didn't. I don't know if you know this. The, the federal government's about ready to run out of money. Did you know that? Yeah. the The federal debt ceiling, which is this obtuse and weird thing, that theoretically puts a limit on the amount of money the federal government can borrow. It runs out at the end of the month, and they're negotiating on Capitol right now for ways to raise it, so that the government can keep rolling out the checks to everybody. And there are snags. In the negotiations and the snags, apparently everybody's looking for a scapegoat, and some of them are ready to blame either the president or Republicans in the Freedom Caucus. But uh, wait a minute, before we get to that, let's 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 get uh, let's get to Terry. Terry, are you with us? Terry, you're there. Yes, I'm here. Yes, sir. You wanted to talk about the governor's race? Yeah, I just left the Chad flanking and um, ah. you know, Ed, Ed Gillespie. Didn't even bother to show up. Uh, I just as a point of reference, did you try the shad? Oh, the shad was awesome. It was <laughs> very, very good. And the roe. Yeah. So, so the bones. To eat, but the bones in the shad were very soft this year. Oh, they're okay. Okay, so that's an improvement over past years. So Ed Gillespie didn't even bother to. Sh- you think that's a, so? Who do you support? Um, I, I usually. Do whatever my wife tells me to do, and uh, <laughs> good man. Gillespie, but but Frank Wagner was there, in, in in he is a businessman. He knows how to run a business. I don't think Ted actually knows how to connect with the people. So we can put you down as a Frank Wagner supporter. Yeah, I was a Denver Riveland, but uh, he scratched. And you know that's a shame too, because Denver Riggleman was one of the most interesting people on either side who was a candidate. And it's a shame that he had to drop out. I think he had a lot to offer. Hopefully we haven't heard the last of him. Absolutely. Yeah, was I'll, there... be, I'll, I'll be with him next time he jumps up. Or... Okay, Terry, thank you so much for the call. We appreciate it. Thanks, sir. All right. So we've got somebody that was interesting, supporting Frank Wagner for governor. And, uh, yeah, I saw uh, in my Twitter feed that Ed Gillespie was close to the shed blanking, which was today. Uh, but didn't actually attend uh, the chapel. And there's people have got, it's out in the woods, it's so far to go, it's so hot, the fish is terrible. Uh, Shad is an acquired taste, I understand that. Um, but it is one of those Virginia traditions, you go, you, you, you make your speech, you press the flesh. It's just something that you do if you're running for office. And not to show up is kind of a, a way to say, yeah, either I don't care what you're doing, 
or you're already on my side and I don't need to waste the time. Either way, it looks bad. So if you do show up, if you take the time and take the bother to show up, it does mean a lot. And that means even more in a primary where low turnout, fewer people decide. So each one of those votes counts. If you don't show up, I get it, you know. You've got other things to do. You think you've got other shad to fry or, or however they cook those wretched things. But it's a perspective and it's and it's image. And it's just one of those things that you need to do. And if you don't show up, you know, that's kind of a problem. But uh, again, so all right. So we've got so far interesting in our, our totally non-scientific and utterly subjective poll. We have support for Frank Weiner. I want to hear what other people have to say. Who are you supporting? Is it Gillespie? Is it Wagner? Is it Corey Stewart? I, Corey Stewart's got a lot of fans out there. I'd like to hear from, if you're supporting him, call us, tell us why. The number is 804-454-1366, 804-454-1366. And if you don't support anybody, I'd, I'd like to know that too. If you don't plan to vote, I'd like to know that too. You think the primary is a waste of time? Uh, tell me about that. I'd like to know. And quite honestly, uh, the politicians would like to know, too, because, again, few people will decide, so every vote counts more. And uh, if you're a Republican who wants to play in the Democratic race, just to have a little fun, you can do that. You can do that. You can weigh in and you can slip the balance to either Tom Perriello or Ralph Northam. Same if you're a Democrat. You can go into the Republican side and make your, your views known. But anyway, we'll get back to that uh, and more. After the break, we'll get back to the uh, the healthcare debate and the government shutdown that I want to talk about. We'll be back on the flip side after this. If political talk radio makes you sick, throw up with the Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW. And this is Norm Leahy filling in for the Lee Brothers. I will be uh, happy to tell you that the room is quite clean. The studio is very clean. There has been no vomit on the floors here. Anyway, I do want to send you over to the website. It's 820theanswer.com, 820theanswer.com. You can click on the cartoon of the Lee Brothers for details about me, about the show. You can send messages to the Lee Brothers there, too. We're still talking about the governor's race. You can give us a ring at 804-454-1366. Who do you support and why? Primary election's coming up June 13th. Want to know who you guys support and why? We'll be back with more on the other side of the news. You may try all you want, but it's too hard to argue with common sense. The Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW. And I'm Norm Leahy here filling in for Scott and Richard Lee on AM 820 WNTW, The Answer. I want to send you over to the website. That is 820theanswer.com. That's 820theanswer.com. Click on the Lee Brothers cartoon at the top, and that'll take you to more information about me, about the show, about the Lee Brothers, about the things that they're talking about, the things they're interested in, and you can drop them a line while you're there. I urge you to do so because they like letters. Uh, one thing I wanted to, uh, in addition to our informal poll about the gubernatorial primary that's coming up, and so far we have talked to a Wagner supporter, which I thought was interesting, is I wanted to get back up on the federal stuff real quick. Because as I was mentioning, the government is about to run out of money. And so people in Congress are talking about ways to raise the debt ceiling. And now, as we all know, the government is so far in debt that 
I don't know that they'll ever get out of debt, but they want to raise the limit more so they can spend more. So the negotiations have been going on. They're trying to hammer out some deals so the government doesn't shut down. Because whenever the government shuts down, people run around with their heads on fire and, and think, oh my gosh, the Washington Monument's closed. The Republic is doomed. Not really, but that's that's what you see on TV. As the negotiations were unfolding, what became clear, and this came out in one of the newsletters I read, is that the scapegoats had already been located if a deal could not be found, and that was going to be the House Freedom Caucus, the same people who stood up against uh, Paul Ryan's plan to replace Obamacare. They said of that bill, it was a bad deal, uh, and in many ways it was worse because it created all kinds of new entitlements and, and uh, the worst kind of entitlements of all, Republican entitlements. So we can't do that. And so that went down, much hysteria, much hand-wringing. So the debt ceiling comes up. Everybody was saying, yes, you know, Democrats are going to do whatever they're going to do. But we're really worried about these House Freedom Caucus guys because they might come up with some wacky stuff that we can't possibly get past the Democrats, and that'll lead to a shutdown. They were already being set up to take the fall for a government shutdown. Interestingly enough, today, it turns out the White House has come up and say, look, I know you guys are negotiating. These are some of the demands that we've got, and it has to include funding for uh, the border wall that Mr. Trump wants to build. Unless you come up with a deal that includes funding for the border wall, you know, we got no deal. So that's going to throw everything into flummox now. But it also changes the narrative. The narrative had developed, oh, it's the, it's the Freedom Caucus guys. We're going to get them. They're the bad people. We've got to watch out for them because they might have this all kind of harebrained stuff. No, now it turns out to be the White House is going to be doing that. Lost in all of the machinations, though, are the Democrats. Since January, the Democrats, led by Chuck Schumer in the Senate, have said, if Republicans do A, B, C, and D, border wall funding, you, uh, getting rid of Planned Parenthood funding, you name it, anything. If there's even a whisper, a hint, uh, an inkling that they do any of this stuff as we go ahead for a deal, we're not going to go for it. We're going to try to shut the whole thing down. And you all are going to take the blame for it. This is how stories in Washington work. Republicans congenitally. It's in their DNA. It is, it's, it's so far in their DNA, I don't even think God could burn it out. They fumble simple things like this. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. And you know what? We've got the votes. We've got the White House. It's going to happen. Instead, they surrender the narrative to the Democrats, who honestly have the easier narrative. You're going to destroy the republic by doing this, so we're going to stand in your way and look like heroes. And if the government shuts down, you all are going to take the blame, because essentially what you're doing is you're, you're denying grandma her social security check. You've shut down all the national parks. Um, you, you, you're, you're going to let prisoners out of federal prisons, and, and Lord knows what's going to happen after that. And Republicans still, after decades of watching this stuff happen, haven't come up with an effective, simple, easy way to say, you're full of it, we're marching ahead. Instead, they're going to do the typical thing they do is establish the circular firing squad and follow the aim, fire, shoot, um, you know, ready, aim, shoot uh, method of trying to get things done. And the thing is, they don't have a lot of time to do this. If they can't get all of their agreements 
put to bed, if they can't get all of their votes organized, if they can't get their story straight, Democrats will again have the drop on them. Democrats will stand in the way. Democrats will let the government shut down. Democrats will pin the blame on the Republicans. Republicans will sit back and go, well, but, 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 you know, again, proving that the moniker of the stupid party didn't happen overnight. They work hard at it. They work harder at that than they do many things. But that's something to watch over the next few days because this shutdown is becoming a possibility. It may not happen. They may have an 11th hour conversion. Everything's fine. We're just going to do something. Raise the limit, nothing else. Don't count on it. It could throw everything into flux. And the scapegoats, like I said, have already been picked out. It's Initially, it was the Freedom Caucus. It may be the president, too. If I'm Paul Ryan... I wonder why I allowed myself to be pushed into the job of speaker in the first place, because all he's going to get is more headaches. Maybe he deserves them. Maybe he's brought it all on himself. I don't know. But this is happening, and so you better be ready for it, because that's all the official press is going to be talking about if it comes about. And certainly over the next few days, that's exactly what they're going to be talking about. Because heaven knows, the government, if it can't spend any more money, what will we do? If, if I don't miss my cues, the sun still rises every day, regardless of whether there are park rangers watching the National or the Washington Monument. I could be wrong about that, and maybe the sun won't rise, and maybe there will be uh, you know, tidal waves and asteroids and Lord knows what else. But I kind of think the world will keep turning and that America will keep going about its business. And I know for a fact, having lived in D.C. during shutdowns of long ago, that when government workers are sent home, I love it, they send home the non-essential workers. Those people should be cut immediately. Uh, what they do is they go shopping. Back when it was fun to go to the mall, people don't go to malls anymore. But when they used to do that, the malls would be packed during government shutdowns. It was wall-to-wall people because, you know, they don't go home and wait for the call so they can get back to work because their work is so important. No, let's go shopping. And that's what they do. It's a, it is stunning how the city works. The republic is falling Let's go to Macy's. <laughs> Come on. Pick one. Pick a story and, and live it. Live it. Don't don't give away the hand so easily. And certainly don't give it away where everybody can see what you're doing. I mean, that's not how the game's played, but that is apparently how the game is run because they think nobody is really paying attention. And that is an issue we should all be paying attention to right now because it could be the thing for the next couple of weeks in the news. But I'm more interested and more concerned about what you all think about the governor's race and who you're supporting, why you're supporting that person, or if you're not supporting anyone at all. And then let's face it, that's a perfectly rational uh, position to take. The primary, as we said, is uh, on June 13th, and it will be a low turnout race, so every vote counts. I want to hear what you had to say. 804-454-1366. Let me know who you're supporting, why you're supporting them, uh, or for that matter, if you're not supporting any of them at all, if you think that it's just not worth your time and effort, and who votes in June anyway, um, I should be planning my summer vacation. I should be mowing the grass. I should be taking a long nap instead of voting in June. What are you talking about? Uh, but it is important because, as as we have noted, Terry McAuliffe will be gone as governor. Virginia's four-year-long endurance race with having the macker in charge is coming to a close, and we will have somebody new in charge whom we can grow to loathe 
over four years. And who that person will be is in your hands beginning in June 13th. So I want to know who it is you think that person should be. Should it be Ed Gillespie? Should it be Frank Wagner? Should it be Corey Stewart on the Republican side? Should it be uh, Ralph Northam or Tom Perriello on the Democratic side? Call, let me know at 804-454-1366. It is a totally unscientific, totally subjective poll. And so far, Frank Wagner is running away with it, which surprises me because he's lagging in the official polls. He's lagging well behind in the official polls. He took a big swing at Ed Gillespie here last night for not participating or, or even consciousing the idea of appearing in any more public debates with the other candidates. So, yeah, if people are slowly making their way toward Frank, that's a story. And this is your opportunity to be a part of that story. Tell us who you support, 804-454-1366. But if you don't support anybody, I respect that, too. Tell me why, because that's important. People need to know that, too. Anyway, this is Norm Leahy here filling in for the Lee Brothers here on WNTW. We'll be back right after this. Black Sharpie, budget crisis solved. The Lee Brothers, problem solvers on 820 WNTW. I think we should send Scott and Richard to D.C. this week. I hope they're not busy next week. They could, they could sort out the whole debt ceiling thing. Maybe not in 10 minutes, 15. They could do it. Definitely. This is normally sitting in for the Lee Brothers here on AM820 WNTW, The Answer. Let's send you over real quick to the website. That's 820theanswer.com. That's 820theanswer.com. Click on the Lee Brothers cartoon there for details about me, about the show, about the Lee Brothers. And send them a note while you're there, too. They'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, too, here in the waning minutes of the show, my, my waning moments of filling in for Scott and Richard here, 804-454-1366, uh, who you're supporting for governor and why, uh, because the primary does come up on June 13th. Wanted to um, back up just for a moment to talk about, uh, you know, Republicans are on an 0 for 7 streak in statewide races. In Virginia, so they really, really, really want to win at least one of the three statewide offices that are up this time. Uh, and they think, in general, they have a good shot at it. Uh, John Adams, running for the uh, attorney general slot on the Republican side, will be running against Mark Herring. Mark Herring, uh, some people have characterized him as the Democratic version of Ken Cuccinelli. I think that is more apt than comparing Perriello because Mr. Herring has been an activist attorney general actively seeking to put policy ahead of law. Essentially, the Attorney General of the State of Virginia of the Commonwealth is the head of a large law firm. Cases come to him. He doesn't go look for cases. Uh, Mr. Herring has gone looking for cases. So that will be a fascinating race to watch. And until Mr. Herring won, Republicans had a 20-year lock on that office. And so it was a bit of a surprise, and Herring owed a lot of his coattails to the upper candidates on the 2013 ballot. Lieutenant Governor, that race could go anyway. The Republican side, it is weird, bizarre um, accusations, uh, bad behavior. Uh, it's almost not even worth talking about because it's a part-time job, and if you're lucky, uh, you get to cast a tie-breaking vote in the Senate. Otherwise, your eyes are fixed on the governor. Is he okay? Is governor okay? Governor okay? How's that heart? How's it holding up? Blood pressure good? Hmm? Okay, okay. Just checking. That's their job. 
and it's a part-time job, and why people fight over it, and why people fight over it like they do, and why why they seem to make such a big deal out of an office that is really more of a, you're just a guy with a gavel, and that's about it. And then you get an office, and you get a staff, and it's, 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 it's a nice gig, and you'll always be called lieutenant governor the rest, rest of your life, but... The level of vitriol seen in the on the on the Republican side, I just don't understand. And the Democrats, well, they're going to do what they're going to do. But on the governor's race, it is important. I think I mentioned at the top of the show that Republicans seem to be running and fighting the last war, and the current war, at least as I see it, and I could be wrong, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is that uh, Democrats are positioning this as a resistance election. They're running on emotion. They usually do. And with Republicans going 0-7 in recent statewide elections, that strategy has been effective and it has worked. The other thing that has helped enormously is that Republicans have managed to squeeze every vote they can out of certain portions of Virginia, um, Southwest Virginia being the most recent one. People that have never voted Republican there in their lives now do. There just aren't that many of them. The votes are in the urban centers. They're in northern Virginia. And Republicans need to be competitive there. If they're not competitive there, if they're not outright winning there, they can't win statewide, even in a place like Chesterfield County. Unless they get more than 55% of the vote here, they can't win statewide. They need this county, all the Republicans that live here, to absorb the damage that comes from northern Virginia. The last Republican to win... Up in Northern Virginia was Bob McDonald in 2009. What was his message? Bob's for jobs. Bob's for jobs. Simple. You can even put a number in it, fit on a bumper sticker. Who's got the 10-second message right now on the Republican side? Mr. Gillespie is 10% tax cut. That's a little bit long. It's certainly longer than the, the gold standard of political slogans, no car tax. Three syllables, bang. 10%, right there, you're done. what? Don't leave me in suspense. Tax cut. But that's also the perfect strategy if you're running to win in 1985 when federal taxes were, were, were higher than they are today. And it's not exactly the kind of strategy that really galvanizes people. They need something else. They need the 10-second message. They need the thing. They need that no-car tax message. I don't see it. That's the kind of thing they can take to Northern Virginia. They can take there and they can win because it's something people can grasp immediately. It's They understand it. They pay it. You need to have that. Otherwise, what you're going to do is you're going to run hard, you're going to spend a lot of money, and you're going to fall short. doesn't mean Democrats are going to be handed the victory. It doesn't mean anything. They have to work for it just like anybody else. But the demographics and history set up for them. Republicans need a strategy for 2017, not 1985. We'll see if they develop it between now and, say, Election Day. This is Norm Leahy sitting in here for the Lee Brothers. Uh, We're going to go into our last break, then we'll wrap up. And I am proud to say I haven't broken anything during my stint here. Scott and Richard, I have done my best to do that. We'll be back right after this their solutions are so powerful that we should consider allowing a co-presidency the lee brothers on 820 wntw 
And this is Norman Leahy sitting in for the Lee Brothers here on AM820 WNTW. It's been my pleasure to sit in for the Lee Brothers and an honor because they're great men. And I very much appreciate the opportunity. And I did, again, I didn't break anything, no fires. And we stayed on the air the whole time this time, which is a great time because last time I was on, we <laughs> dropped the signal for about half an hour, which was an adventure in itself. But again, uh, go check out uh, the Lee Brothers online at 820 theanswer.com at 820theanswer.com. Click on the Lee Brothers uh, cartoon there and figure out uh, what they're doing and what they might be doing on their next show. Again, a great privilege to sit in there, and I appreciate the opportunity very much. Be careful out there, Virginia. We're supposed to get a lot of rain coming this weekend. Make sure you got your gutters cleaned out, okay? Because roof rot is one thing you definitely don't want to have. I am, <laughs> and on that up, up, up note about roof rot, uh, this is Norm Leahy saying thank you, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time here on the Lee Brothers. My friends, we did it. We weren't just marking time. We made a difference. We made the city stronger. We made the city freer. And we left her in good hands. All in all, not bad. Not bad at all. And so, bye. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America.